everyone and welcome back to another episode of The Dating Games, the only podcast with both a male and female perspective to help you navigate the complex world of modern dating with your agony aunt and uncle Natalie and me, Damien. In this episode recorded in Primal Studios, we're going to talk about toxic relationships, the warning signs of toxic relationships and how to avoid them. This is a topic that has been highly requested by you, the listener. So let's get right into it. So Natalie, if you can be so kind as to educate me (laughs) on the definition as per the internet on a toxic relationship. Why I would be honoured. A toxic relationship is one that makes you feel unsupported, misunderstood, demeaned or attacked. A relationship is toxic when your well-being is threatened in some way, emotionally, physiologically, and even physically. Now, just to touch on that, right, we are well aware that there is a big difference between toxic and abusive relationships, and particularly when it comes to the physical element there. But today, we're just going to touch on, I suppose, the mental side of things, the toxic mind games and so on, as we both feel that we would really need a professional therapist here to touch on anything deeper when it comes to the physical side of things. Mm -hmm. And so we just wanted to mention that to begin. So, um, Damien, your thoughts on toxic relationships or personal experiences before we dive into, I suppose, the signs. Yeah, obviously, we both have our own show notes. And I always always take great pride when uh, we have certain little words that Natalie and me both put in the Damien book just takes great pride in the fact that he does um, show notes yes Natalie does I'm, has he I'm, mentioned that he has I'm, show notes I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take credit for the amount of work that Natalie does for this podcast so um, I think all relationships have the capability to become toxic yeah and all relationships have the capability to become healthy if they are toxic I absolutely adore that statement Um. I don't think there's any innocent party in a toxic relationship. Um, and I do go on to say that there is a difference between toxic and abusive because if you're in, a, in an abusive relationship, you are a victim and you are not a guilty party in that. Yeah. But if you're in a toxic relationship, there is a chance that both of you are being toxic to each other to a degree mm. or that person is bringing out a toxic side of you. Yeah. And that then amplifies how toxic the relationship can be. Um, like, you know, I've been seeing someone and it's become toxic and we've, you know... Oh my God, I thought you meant right now. I was like, you didn't tell me no, you're seeing someone. No, no, no. Well, by the time this is out, you could be. Um, yeah, who knows? Um, yeah, look, and I think it became toxic and we both, or what appeared to be both of us, worked on trying to fix it. Um, and we couldn't. Um, and we basically came to the conclusion that I think it's going to end. And I think <laughs> it, it's kind of funny looking back on it now. When I, th- I think about how it ended and I, I basically communicated saying, I don't think this is working out. Yeah. Um, and they had said, some, uh, they basically responded to that message as if I didn't say that at all. And they basically said, yeah, um, this isn't really for me. Um, I think we're going to break up. And it just, you know, like in TV shows or whatever, it just screamed, you can't fire me. I quit. Yeah. It just, and just from You're that, not breaking up with me. I'm breaking up with you. Yeah. I and, was about to do that. And as I'd mentioned in a previous episode, that like unhealthy level of dependency. Yeah. Um, and like that for me was like a huge red flag. And It was codependency. They were codependent and that's where you yeah. need to remain independent. Yeah. And it was like, it was from that moment I was just like, this is the, this is the right decision yeah. to, to be made here. Yeah. When it comes to like toxic relationships, um, you know, my personal experiences, I actually think I'm very lucky to say that I've never 
been in a toxic relationship. Um, although I've went through my shit in terms of my personal development and how that's affected maybe how um, avoidant or fearful or anxious or secure I've been in terms of my attachment, which we touched on before. Um, luckily, I don't think I've ever been someone to stand for anything that was toxic, regardless of where I was on my confidence levels or my self-development. Um, it's just not something that luckily I've, I've ever stood for. But I don't think I've ever actually been in a relationship or situationship with anyone who was toxic. I have to say, because, you know, we both know in doing this podcast, anyone that we've had a connection with, a relationship with, they're kind of like, oh shit, am I going to be the topic of conversation on the pod? Like, look, we are discussing our past experiences here. We'll never name names. But if any of my my past, you know, <laughs> exes are listening, I've never been in anything that was toxic. That said, I have witnessed friends and I don't want to tell their stories and I, I'm very aware of not saying things too specific because they could be listening. But I know I've had the chats with them. I've had so many friends that have been in severely toxic relationships or you hear of stories, you know, like it kind of comes to us as a result of doing the pod. You get people opening up to you about the toxic situations they were in. And I just do not understand how people don't run a mile the second it gets toxic. But I guess that's because it can happen. Like you said, a healthy relationship can become toxic. But a toxic relationship can also become healthy again. It's hard to do because it takes both people wanting to or needing to do the work or kind of accept the fact that they have become toxic and not many people want to let their their kind of ego take that hit. But uh, I definitely think there is a severe degree of toxic treatment and relationships and back and forth behaviors on the rise at the moment. And I think there's probably a severe degree or amount of healthy relationships that are becoming toxic. And because they started off as healthy, the work is not being done or people are kind of just staying quiet or they're putting up with it because the healthy start has caused people to become comfortable in the relationship and think that they need it. They may have become codependent and the toxic um, behavior just then continues. So that's kind of my my thoughts on toxic relationships. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So toxic versus healthy behaviors. Um, obviously, we want to talk about today the signs of toxic behaviors. I know there's people tapped in to listen to this just because they saw the title and went, oh my God, yeah, I've been in that. Or I think I'm in it. How do I know? How do I, how do I get out of it? How do I avoid or it? Or how do I avoid it? Yeah. How do I avoid it? Yeah. So whether it's in you or in the other person, because look, no one's an angel. We've all been there. Um, here are some signs of both toxic behaviors and healthy behaviors. So like, right, Damien, I'll say the toxic and you say the contrasting healthy. Okay. How about that? Agreed. So this you, is... going to go back and forth? Yeah. This is pretty no self-explanatory. Like, what did you just say? I said we're going to go back and forth. What did you say after that? I thought you said wife. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't say wife. <laughs> I was like... Anyway, there was, some, there was some word there that sounded like life or wife or... Or I think I said right. Right. That was it. Okay, okay. Right. I was like... Wife. Wife. Jumping the gun. Oh my God. All right. So, hubby, let's go. <laughs> Toxic. <laughs> Feeding into the rumors. Toxic behavior. <clears throat> Insecure. Secure. Jealous. Loving. Negative. Positive. Self-centered. Giving. Self-centered is such a good one, like. 
I just think that can be so toxic. <laughs> that 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 sentence had so much soul to it. <laughs> like it was self-centered. So obviously someone has been self-centered to not me before. Yeah, they have. But um, go on. Um, but became self-centered. It was like a healthy mm. relationship that became toxic. And there was no getting back out of it because he couldn't communicate. Um, toxic behavior. Selfish. Selfless. Critical versus. Encouraging. Demeaning versus. Uplifting. Distrusting. Trustworthy. Okay, this again, I suppose this one's a bit more serious, but abusive. Compassionate. And then disrespectful. Respectful. So if someone is uh, like treating you or any of the words that I just said are kind of ringing alarm bells in your head, it's toxic behavior. Particularly, I think, self-centered, demeaning and disrespectful and distrusting. Um, Distrusting, again, could be somewhat stemming from a past, but I think self-centered, jealousy, disrespectful, disrespectful, they're all toxic. Um, I mean, the list, Damien, that you gave there as the alternatives, they are literally just all the, the steps and keys and signs of a really healthy relationship. Yeah, absolutely. If, if you're doing like all of these things in a relationship. You um, can do no wrong. Absolutely. And the, the thing is, if you're doing these or the majority of these, nobody's perfect. Um, and if your partner is also doing them, you can count your blessings because you've got a, quite a healthy relationship. Yeah. There. Okay. So if you're wondering, like, what are the signs of a toxic relationship? Am I maybe entering into a toxic relationship with someone? Could I be the one who's making it toxic? We're going to go through some of these signs. Now, depending on the nature of the relationship, right? Signs of toxicity can be like really subtle which is probably the worst because it's like mind game sort of toxic or else it's highly obvious. And we got these, oh, obvious, what way did that come out? <laughs> we got these um, from the author of a book called Joy From Fear. Her name is Carla Marie Manley. So when you're in a toxic relationship, you might not always find it easy to notice like these red flags, I guess is what they are, popping up. But Damien, hit us with the first one there. Lack of support. Mm. Yeah, so healthy relationships are based on a mutual desire to see each other succeed in all areas of life. But when things turn toxic, every achievement becomes a competition. I, I so relate to that in my past. Like, we obviously are in such a strange line of work that if we're getting to know someone who isn't in this line of work, I know this probably applies to other jobs and everything as well, but just personally, I've experienced this and I'd come back and be like, oh, like I got this amazing job with, I don't know, whether it's like, say, Promise Bread or whatever it was, which I did and it, and it was fantastic. But straight away, the response is like, oh, and like, do you know what you have to do for them? And is that not a bit mad? And like, is that really the fee? Or do you know, well, I did this today and I got this. Or it's like, oh, I wouldn't have that or I wouldn't need that or God, I don't agree with that. And I'm like, where's the support? Where's that? Oh my God, that's brilliant. I'm delighted for you that like you got that job or can I help you like maybe create some of the content? Because it's like, well, if if he got offered the coaching role for the local team or something, I'd be like, can I help? Can I bring some of the gear in? Can, like I'm delighted for you. But that support wasn't there coming back. And it was a real subtle level of toxicity beginning the relationship when the support for the work I was getting in wasn't there. And I'm like, look, I know it's not textbook work that I do, but like when it comes in, I'm, I'm so happy. Like where's the support? It's like you lose your level of excitement in your work when your partner doesn't support it. Yeah. And I just want to add to that, that this is not always romantic relationships. So if, oh my God, yeah. So platonic friendships. platonic friendships can also be toxic. And this particular one here, lack of support, 
if they are not your biggest fucking cheerleader in the corner. Cut that shit the fuck off. Ooh. I'm telling you now. I agree. Like, I've lost friends as a result of this work. You know what? We are each other's biggest hype person. Um, who, who, who? <laughs> <laughs> for fuck's sake. Huggy, huggy, huggy. That just reminded me of Wolf of Wall Street. Who, who, who? Were you a fucking owl? <laughs> but yeah, also oh, also goes for platonic friendships. If they're not your cheerleader, bin them. Okay, so next up, another sign. Toxic communication. But basically, this is like, instead of kindness and mutual respect, most of your conversations are filled with sarcasm or criticism and fueled by contempt. I definitely can relate to this as well. Like where a conversation is no longer enjoyable or caring or this level of like trust and self-respect, it literally becomes a battle of sarcasm and criticism. It's like, hey, did you see this like video that I did today? And like, I'll show the video and it would be like, oh, could you not have done that angle differently? Oh, do you really think that's going to go down well? Or, oh, that was an interesting way of putting that forward. And it's like, hold on, you just told me about like all the, I don't know, exams that you gave your kids or whatever way it is, because you're a teacher or you're a nurse or you're a doctor, whatever it is. I'm not coming in with sarcasm and criticism towards what you do in your work because I don't know much about it. So I'm just going to support Yeah, it. like, could you imagine like dating a doctor and then they're like, oh my God, I saved this person's life today by doing this. And you're like, mm, well, I probably would have just went straight in with a tracheotomy and then would have actually went in with a keyhole surgery up this way and then I probably would have done like a colonoscopy and then I probably would have amputated the feet. Like, I've no fucking clue about any of that stuff. Yeah. So who am I to criticize? That sort of conversation gets so mentally draining. It was like what I put on my close friend story. Like, so I'm actually... That's Damien's close friend story is the <clears throat> life and soul of my Instagram. I live for I'm it. I'm telling you now, it is, it's the best party in town. But I matched with a person on Hinged and they had no tattoos. Like, and I hate talking about tattoos because it just gets old real quick. So everybody with tattoos will tell you this. But this person had no tattoos and <laughs> was trying to educate me on how tattoos heal. Um, and then I clicked onto the profile and I was like, maybe they're in the medical field. Like, maybe they actually know what the fuck they're talking about. Yeah. Um, they're in recruitment. Like, absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> like... Just, I, I suppose, don't be patronizing towards someone else's passions or their careers yeah. or their, their work. And like we said, um, in, in talking these through, you might be going, oh, sugar, maybe I was the patronizing one. Or maybe I do always respond with like snide remarks to my friends or my family. Or maybe I've been the one like repeating what someone said in a mocking tone. Like I've, I've been there. I have done that. I have not always been, nor will I always be the perfect Yeah human we're not but it's just recognizing these things yeah absolutely and and something that I, I had to work on is when someone was telling me a story or something I would always go back with a story about myself to give context Same. to try communicate it's like oh I understand where you're coming from because this happened to me yeah but sometimes to some people they don't feel heard when you do that because you're bringing the conversation back to you and I had to do a lot of work to like not do that and just be like okay how do I communicate that I understand them and their quarrel yeah. without making it about me. Um, so similar similar kind of thing. So the next one is envy or jealousy. Well, it's perfectly fine to experience a little bit of envy or maybe a little bit of jealousy from time to time. Um, it can become an issue if your envy keeps you from thinking positively about your partner's success. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Like let's say you're 
a husband or your boyfriend or your girlfriend comes home and they're like, oh my God, I just got a pay rise. I'm now on a hundred grand a year. And you're there going, oh God, I'm only on like, you know, 30 grand a year or whatever it is. Like, it's very hard not to be a little bit envious, but you still want to support them. But you have to try and not let that envy or jealousy become toxic in any way. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you find yourself in similar fields. Mm. So if you're dating someone that's in the same kind of industry as you, um, the quote unquote competition maybe a bit more kind of black and white. Yeah. Uh, and it's very, very important to like, again, you know, I think jealousy is okay if you use it in a positive way. So if you're jealous of somebody and then you use that as fuel to work harder towards what you want, mm. rather than it be a negative thing and then you downplay their success. Yeah. I think if you're cheering them on when they're successful, that then will, we, we talk about like energy and, and putting things out to the universe. I think you're communicating to the universe that like you're thinking positively, you're striving forward and then you will get your your rewards and hopefully your partner then is, you know, quite uh, quite happy in return to for your success. Yeah. And I think even if say your partner isn't initially the type that's always happy in return, just, you know, they're wired to maybe be that little bit jealous or envious if you are the one to lead by example, they may end up doing the same and become a little bit less jealous when they see that you're not like that with them. Do you know what I mean? It's all about leading by example. Yeah, and if and if you are like the example that we gave there, if you're in like a long-term relationship, you get a pay rise, you come home. Um, if you know your partner is a little bit jealous, a bit competitive in those things, don't come in all guns blazing, tooting horns with a fanfare and be like, wow, confetti in the air. I've got a fucking pay rise, <laughs> you know, guns blazing. Because it's just going to antagonize them more. Yeah. Um, instead, use your pay rise to like treat them to something. Oh, we're going to go yeah. away on holiday. Oh, how'd you pay for that? Oh, I got a pay rise. Like, you know, like. I don't want to make a big deal about it. I don't want to make it. a big deal out of it. Like, you and know. Do you know if, if someone did that with me, I'd be more likely then to go, no, come on, we're going to make a deal out of this. But if yeah. they came home being like, we're making a deal about it, I'd be like, oh God. Yeah, exactly. So it's about understanding your partner as well, I think. So another sign of a potential toxic, um, like, uh, trait in a relationship, controlling behaviours. I think a lot of people relate to this either personally or they know someone who would be subject to this. Like, does your partner ask where you are all of the time? Or maybe they're getting annoyed and irritated because you're not answering the text immediately and they text you again and again and again until you do. Like, the this behavior is definitely controlling. Or being like, listen, I don't want you going to said party because I don't like the fact that this guy is there. Um, it, it just really stems from like a lack of trust and jealousy. Um, but it can also suggest... A, need for control which scares me as to where that could lead to down the line because in some cases these attempts at control can also suggest like abuse and um, again we won't dive into that too much but it does scare me a little bit if the aggression in tone of voice around the control that they're trying to put into the situation can can like get out of hand yeah absolutely and not all abuse is physical either so just bear, yeah. bear that in mind. We're not professionals, so we're not going to dive into that topic too much without having serious backup in terms of research or somebody here to talk about it. Um, because I've been on the receiving end of this where someone told me point blank, you're not allowed to spend time with Natalie unless it's work-related purposes, despite us being friends for 10 years. I'll never forget how heartbroken I was that a girl couldn't trust even me. Yeah. 
when I was like, I don't know this girl. And I've made such, ah, anyway, that's thing in the past. But, yeah. but it still upsets me. I'm, I'm a highly sensitive person that way. I'm like, I just want people to trust me. Like there's nothing, anyway. Next one. Next one. Do you, re- do you resent this girl? <laughs> Resentment. Holding on to grudges or letting them fester, chip away at you. Um, you know, letting frustration build up over time or resentment, letting it build up, making a smaller little thing into a big thing. So we talk about, you know, making mountains out of molehills or, yeah. whatever, or whatever that little saying is. So. I see this happen. I see this happen in relationships so much. I can't say I've let it happen because I try to communicate straight away. Not everyone wants to communicate straight away, but I do. And I think it's the healthiest thing possible. But I have looked at this from the outside um, where you can see that like said person in a relationship is like, I'm going to bite my tongue on this. I'm going to bite my tongue on this because maybe they'll come around. Maybe they'll come around. But the resentment is building. And a day will come where they will explode. And all that's been pushed underneath the mat will resurface. So I think it's really important not to hold grudges, not to let things fester away, to communicate straight away. If your partner is incapable of communicating back, that's not on you. At least you won't be building this mountain. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And I think everybody has different levels of communication and you need to understand that. Yeah. Um, so, for example, if I, if I get into something a bit kind of heated or I feel that it's getting a bit emotional, I'll communicate and be like, can you just give me like five, ten minutes? I'm just going to step back. I'm going to cool down. I'm going to look at this entire picture overall. Mm-hmm. I'm going to come back to this when I'm cool, calm, collected and can speak a nice, normal tone of voice where I'm not arguing. Yeah. I'm talking. Yeah. Um, and some people don't like that. They cannot stand that I need to take a few moments to myself to gather my thoughts and speak calmly. When it's such a mature thing because to do. Because they want now. They want now. Or they need now. Um, and we talk about setting boundaries and everything else like that. And that is an absolute boundary for me because I refuse to lose my temper. I refuse to speak emotionally in situations like that because sometimes you say things that you cannot... Yeah, you cannot take them back and you don't mean. And these, it's those words um, that are going to be thrown back in your face later on. Well, you said this. Well, you said this. Well, you said this. Um, So it's important that you don't say them. Yeah, that's a very, very good point. Um, So another trait of, I suppose, toxicity is dishonesty. I mean, obviously, if you find out that your partner is lying to you about something, that's not good. That's a red flag. That's that's not what we want. But also it goes the other way. If you find yourself constantly making up like little white lies about your whereabouts or who you're with just because you think they're going to go off on one or feel a bit weird about it. Um, or maybe you're trying to avoid spending like so much time with your partner because things have become a little bit toxic or you're not feeling as comfortable. I mean, you really need to sit down and have a good chat with them and tell the truth. But that dishonesty can really stem from both sides. And I think there's probably a lot of people listening going, oh, sugar, yeah, I told a little white lie that day because I just didn't want to see them because I wasn't bothered with the conversation because it was going to be so like back and forth or like there was criticism or there was like snide remarks. Um, and I think this happens more in the getting to know someone stage, in the talking stage where yeah. someone says, do you want to do this? And it's like, oh, actually, I'm, I'm in work that day or I'm doing this or I'm doing, doing this. And that's absolutely fine if you don't want to see them, but you could actually just say, hey, yeah, why don't we just do it another day? Like, just be, like, bluntly yeah. honest. I'm just a bit stressed right now. Yeah, I'm just... If they feel weird about that, that's not on you. Yeah, that's that's not that's not on you. Um, but I think if the person is mature, they'll appreciate the honesty. Yeah. 
So that there is there is there is that. Um, I think the only white lies you should tell somebody is if you're trying to surprise them. Yeah, that's very cute. You two being all cute. Look, is what it is. I'm surprised my dad doesn't listen to this podcast and it comes out in the new year. So I'm surprised that my dad would bring him to Old Trafford on the 9th of, De- of December. So that's a little white lie. He has absolutely yeah, no idea. Yeah, that's totally okay. Um, that's so exciting. So yeah, it's cute. Next one, patterns of disrespect. So being like chronically late, casual, forgetting events, you know, others' behaviors that show disrespect for, you know, their time, their energy, you know, you know, they're, they're what most people would consider red flags. What I would consider red flags, we talk about this all the time. Like, oh, I absolutely hate when someone takes the piss out of my time. Yeah. So, I yeah. do think some people are just bad timekeepers. Mm. And if, like, if that's something that's starting to bother you, like, just have the conversation and be like, come here, listen, I know you're always running late or you're chill or whatever, but, like, my time is really important or I have to run or if I'm ready and I'm here to meet you at four and you're not here till quarter to five I'm kind of feeling like a little bit disrespected Um, like you know have the conversation but if that continues if they're chronically late and forgetting about whatever it is that's going on the dates or the meetings um, that's a pattern that needs to be addressed absolutely we touched in a previous episode our love language episodes and we talked about I love that episode um, yeah me too it's one, mm, of, one of my favourites it's one worth listening to but we talked about some people's love language being quality time. And it's a love language that's a lot of people's. Um, and if you're chronically late all the time, if you take out oh, 24 hours, you've this much quality time. And then yeah. someone's someone's late, then it's this much quality time. And then if they're really late, it's this much quality time. Yeah. So that's someone's love language being, you know, being hampered by... <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> and then I was like, no, that doesn't sound good. It's like, <laughs> if you're looking at the video, Damien's doing great finger work here to explain it all. Fingers are going nice. <laughs> They, they were not going 90. <laughs> they were they were making a very accurate analogy of of no, time of timekeeping. Um you do have to be aware of your of your partner's love language. Um and if you're not, it could lead to more toxic behaviors popping up. Like you gotta be aware of it and, and respect it, particularly when it comes to quality time. Um another one, like constant stress. If there's constant constant stress in your connection your relationship um you're going to be on edge all of the time and that stress is going to take its toll on not just your connection but your physical health your mental health you're going to feel miserable you're going to be exhausted you might even get sick way more often because your immune system is run down from the stress stress is normal we need a certain amount of it but if your relationship feels like it's constantly a ball of stress um, that's that's toxic. It's going to be toxic. So there's definitely a lot I'd say would need to be addressed and discussed depending on where that stress is coming from. Um, this next one, Damien, I think is huge. Yeah, absolutely. Ignoring your own needs. So uh, psychologist Catalina Lawson, who's a PhD, says going along with whatever your partner wants to do, even if it goes against your wishes or comfort level, is a sure sign of toxicity. Toxicity. It's a tough word. I'll give you that. Tox- toxicity. Toxic. It's toxic <laughs> as fuck. Okay. <laughs> Isn't that like the real life version of like when you can't spell a word and you change the entire sentence mm, to I get a new word? Yeah. Toxicity. Yeah. yeah there. That thing. Um. Yeah. So if, like, if you plan a vacation and it's going to take you out of time, out of town for like your mother's birthday, but you've asked, they've asked you what dates, uh, you're available, and you say, oh well, whatever dates. I'm fine as long as I don't miss my mom's birthday on the 17th uh, and then they disregard that and then you're flying out on the 17th so so to speak so yeah. there's 
Um, That's a good example. Yeah, they're ignoring your your needs or whatever. Um, This next one as well is another sure sign of toxicity. And I've witnessed this happen a lot of my friends. Luckily, we have such a close friend group. I think, you know, we're always going to welcome them back in. But I've had a lot of people write to me, Damien, with regards to our podcast and ask for this to be discussed as an episode wholly. So we may do that. And that is um, like lost relationships. So if you're in a relationship and, you know, they're, I guess they're being, they're being quite controlling of your time or you don't even realise how much you're giving up for them, but you lose your relationships as a result of this one. So you've stopped spending time with friends and with family, maybe just to avoid conflict with your partner or to get around to having to explain what's going on or who you've been with. Um, or you might find it difficult to deal with your partner if you're not with them as much and they're questioning you. You just avoid all of that bullshit and as a result, stop spending time with your friends and your family. So there's no questions asked. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think this would be a great episode all in itself. Um, it's one to do. Especially because of um, our relationship and our friendship being so, so strong. But there was a little moment where I think we feared that we were losing it just a little bit. And it was because of the person that had said, you can't spend time in Natalie if it's not work-related purposes. And I remember sitting there actually that day, Damien. It's funny because we didn't decide we were doing an episode like this or anything then, but no. I was like, Damien, that's toxic behavior. Mm. And I was like, Damien, we have said the red flags you see at the beginning are the ones you'll end up leaving for later yeah. on down the line. And I gave it a chance and worked on it. You always have to give a second chance. And then, always going to be the bigger person. And it, it, it didn't work out and, and that's absolutely fine. Absolutely but I didn't I, I didn't break up with, with them. They broke up with me, apparently. Um, lul. So, lul. Um, so the next one is a lack of self-care. So in a toxic relationship, you might let go of yourself a little bit, you know, your self-care habits. Um, you might withdraw from some of your hobbies that you might have loved, neglect your health, sacrifice some of your free time. And, you know, this might happen if you don't have the energy for these activities because your partner, you know, you know, disapproves of you doing kind of your own thing. And, you know, sometimes it's well, it's like it's taxing on your energy. Yeah. Being with them and giving them so much that when you're not with them, you physically don't, just don't have the energy to do yeah, these things your because brain is just fried. your brain's fried and all you can do is just sit there and try to decompress for a yeah. moment, you know. So. I relate to that. Um. Hoping for change. You might stay in the relationship because you remember how much fun you had in the beginning. This happens a lot. So that's like purely in a relationship that would start off healthy or that you kind of romanticized and now it's toxic and you're like, maybe we'll get it back, we'll get it back. You're not going to have change without communicating it. And if that communication isn't level-headed, the change is not going to happen. Um, they're not going to change without a discussion. They're not just going to have a penny-dropping moment to go, oh my God, I've actually been toxic. Let's not be toxic anymore. It takes work. Yeah, and, and nobody's going to change unless they're willing to change. Yeah, yeah. You need to be willing to change. Um, and the next one is walking on eggshells. So you're worried about bringing up certain problems that you may provoke an extreme reaction or you may build some tension in the relationship. Uh, so you become conflict avoidant, uh, which we touched on. Yeah. Um, just to keep, you're going to keep them issues to yourself. And then what's going to happen is other things we touched on, you're going to become... Yeah, yeah, you're going to build up, up a, bit, uh, a bit of resentment and, and what will happen is it will eventually blow up. So is it possible to fix a toxic relationship? Um, I think people always think that they're doomed. Hmm. Um, it's not always the case. 
I, I can't think of anyone in my life that I know has been in a toxic relationship. There have been quite a few that have actually managed to fix it. But that is because there was always one side there that wasn't willing to communicate or do the work or go to therapy. Uh, oh, hold on. I tell a lie. There is actually one couple I know of that have absolutely done the work. Yeah, there is. I'm not going to tell the story or give anything in case they're listening. But there is one. But that is because they both went to so much therapy individually and as a couple. I actually do know of one. I think, um, I think it's told me about this couple. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the deciding factor in whether a toxic relationship can possibly be fixed or not is down to both partners wanting to change. If you're sitting there listening, oh my God, yeah, I'm in a toxic relationship. I want to change. If he doesn't want to change or she, whatever way it's going, it's not going to happen. If only one partner is invested in creating the healthier habits, there's unfortunately like very little like that that change is ever going to occur. Now, a few signs that you might be able to work things out together. Acceptance of responsibility. So if both you and your partner know that the relationship is struggling and you want it to improve and you want to get back on track, recognizing past behaviors uh, and what has harmed your relationship is vital. Own up on, your shit. On, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I've owned up to shit on this podcast. I've owned up to shit in, in real life. Um, and owning that now makes it possible for me to have healthy relationships in the future. Yeah. Um, your willingness to invest. Like, are you and your partner both willing to invest the time into making the relationship better? Um, a lot of people are very selfish with their time and they don't, I think time with your partner can become like a box ticking activity and it should never be that. You have to be willing to give even more time if you want to really deepen that connection um, and like put aside regular blocks of time for spending that quality time together if you do want to fix a relationship and and I suppose reduce the toxicity level. Um, after that? We have shifting blame to understanding. Uh, difficult to do. Very, very difficult to do. And the thing is, like, all of these steps require work. All of them. Yeah. Uh, there's, none of these things are just going to come, you're not going to wake up one day and be like, oh, I'm willing to invest. Oh, I'm willing to understand now instead of blaming things. It's going to get uncomfortable before it gets comfortable again. Absolutely. So if you are both able to steer the conversation away from blaming each other and more towards understanding and learning from each other, then there is a path forward. For example, instead of saying, well, it's your fault or you're always doing X, Y, Z or... You know, without going through the rest of these show notes, the easiest way to do it, I think when I sent you that thread, this person was like throwing yeah. things at me and I said, name, this is not a game of tennis. We do not need to go back and forth here. You've told me this. I've told you that I understand this. I've told you this. You're not willing to understand this. Calm down, like. And that's... You need to calm down. Um, and that's basically it. Like, uh, And I, I always try my best never to tell a woman to calm down because uh, if she is emotional and you're telling them to calm down. But I do think, Damien, like you're allowed to tell someone to calm down if they're actually going off on one. Like, I don't think there's anything think, wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but it's, you know, there's nothing wrong with poking a bear. But you're also probably going to pay the price for it. Yeah. <laughs> Silence is loud no, there. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. If you, like, you're not poking a bear. If you tell the girl to calm down and she goes off on one again, what price? You're not paying any price. If anything, you're still coming out the bigger person for keeping her cool and she's just gone off on one again. That's a reflection on her and she's going to really regret that in the yeah, future. Yeah, of course. But I, th I think if you if you know that's going to antagonize them, I don't think you should do it. 
if you know that something is going to antagonize anybody, I don't think you should do it. I don't think you should intentionally antagonize anybody. Ever. Oh, maybe I'm a little bit petty sometimes. I mean, I'm petty as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> okay, look, moving on. The final one. Openness to outside help. I mean, that's the biggest um, step of them all. If you want to improve the toxicity level in your relationship. Sometimes you might need help to get things back on track and our podcast just might not be enough, even though we hope it is. Um, you may need to go to individual individual or couples counselling and there's absolutely no shame in that. And I wish couples that have gone to couples counselling would speak up more about how much it's helped because I think that would help to save so many more relationships. I don't think people open up enough about it. I think couples are nearly embarrassed to say that they've done couples therapy when I think it's the most, um, I don't know, I, I just think it's such an incredible thing to be able to go and put that work in. Yeah, we talked about a willingness to invest and that's investing in each other in terms of time, energy, understanding, doing the work. But sometimes that's a financial investment in therapy. Yeah. Uh, whether it's individuals or as couples. And I don't think there is any shame whatsoever in going to therapy as an individual, especially as a couple. If anything, you're communicating that you love each other and you're willing to work on this to make it work. Yeah. Um, and if anybody tells you otherwise, tell them to get in the bin. If you put yourself out there and communicate that you feel certain ways and you're not getting heard or no one else is willing to put in the work to fix things so that it's not as toxic as you know it's become, out in the bin, be done. You deserve better. That's it. Brown wheelie bin. Compost. See you later. Compost. Love it. <laughs> Save the planet. That rounds up another episode um, of The Dating Games and the second in our second season. We hope, as always, you feel inspired, uplifted and on the path to become your most unbreakable higher self once more after listening. Remember to subscribe and please rate the podcast, whatever it is that you are listening to. It really does help us out a lot. Remember to follow us on our socials. Until next time on The Dating Games, it is a minefield out there, so stay safe. And don't forget to share it with your friends if you're enjoying it too. Yeah, and your ma, your nanny, your granddad, uh, your pen pal, your person you match with on Tinder. <laughs> share it to everyone. Seriously, following it, rating it. We say it at the end of every episode, but it really does help us to grow. All right, we'll love you. And we'll leave you.